caffeine, 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 caffeine. Please don't shake me just because you can. Sing it with me now. Caffeine, 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 caffeine. Please don't shake me just because you can. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to episode three of the Joe DeVoe Show. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, but you can call me Joe, and I am here to uplift and support my fellow creatives, lovable weirdos, and makers of magic. And today, I have a little bit of help from Whitney Eckes. I'm going to link to all things Whitney in the show notes for this episode. Whitney started her own creative communications agency, her own marketing agency, Eckes Management, at the age of 22 years old, if you can believe that. And she's also the CEO of Get Super, which produces coffee, specifically of interest to me, hemp-infused coffee, which is why I was singing caffeine, caffeine at the beginning of this episode, because... I feel like most people love, love, love coffee, but they don't love, love, love the coffee jitters, and that's a problem. So, of course, it makes perfect sense to pair CBD with coffee. We're not going to make any health claims here today, but I feel like probably many of you are familiar with what CBD is, what it can do. That is definitely something to go research. It is fascinating. I feel like CBD is taking over the wellness industry. I live in Los Angeles. And is Los Angeles the wellness capital of the universe? I feel like it is. And cannabis is legal here. So we have dispensaries that you can walk into that look like Sephora. And all you need is your state ID to literally buy pot to go in and buy yourself some cannabis. But there are also all these amazing products that are infused with cannabis and it's not all psychoactive. CBD is not psychoactive, but you still get so many benefits of the cannabis plant. The healing benefits, the relaxation and pain management that CBD some say offers. I'm not going to make, again, I'm not going to make any health claims here just to be on the safe side, but I think it is exciting, this idea of pairing CBD with coffee, which is what Whitney's company Get Super does. I myself am a mushroom coffee drinker. I did not think anything could ever persuade me to try something other than my beloved mushroom coffee, but this has. I'm super excited to give this a try and see what coffee infused with hemp has to offer. Broad spectrum hemp such and such. (laughs) I will link to get super so you can read the details. But I will say, this is just a tip for any coffee lovers out there who struggle with that wired but tired feeling. Something that is very helpful, whether you're drinking hemp infused coffee or mushroom coffee like I love, or maybe maybe a really wonderful, high-quality organic coffee that's been tested for mycotoxins. A lot of the negative effects of coffee are from 
mycotoxins. So you definitely get what you're paying for in that regard. And get super. Their coffee is lab tested and they have links to the lab tests from their website, which I appreciate. But regardless of what kind of coffee you're drinking, it can be really helpful to prepare it bulletproof style. Shout out to Dave Asprey who got us all putting butter in our coffee. But unsalted grass-fed butter or ghee in your coffee. If you're a vegan, you might want to try something like cacao butter. You don't need a lot of it. You just need a small amount. You blend it up in the blender. You pour your coffee into the blender with some grass-fed butter or ghee or cacao butter. And it makes it really frothy and creamy like a latte. So it's super delicious. But in addition to that, it gives you a more gentle experience. It gives you sustained energy and there are also many health benefits to that that I won't get into but I just would encourage you to try it if you've ever been curious and you're a person who struggles with the coffee jitters but you love the coffee it's one of those things that people quit and then go back to and then quit and then go back to because it's so good it tastes so good it's like everyone's favorite legal drug that also happens to be very very tasty I would also like to make a note that comes courtesy of Dave Asprey, and that is especially for vegans listening, do not put a bunch of coconut oil in your bulletproof coffee if you would like to avoid something he calls disaster pants. Disaster pants. Think about that. What does that mean? <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. If you're using MCT oil or a bunch of coconut oil, it can give you some bathroom problems, I'll just say that. But also Bulletproof Coffee sometimes has collagen in it or some kind of protein. But I just find the fat is good and it gives me that sustained energy and really takes the edge off. I haven't had coffee jitters in so long and I drink a ginormous mug of coffee the size of my head every single day to start my day. And soon I will be drinking hemp-infused coffee to start my day because I'm so fascinated by this. Of course, it makes perfect sense. Like CBD as a wellness ingredient has made its way into coffee. Amazing. I'm also just really interested in Whitney's journey as an entrepreneur. She's a serial entrepreneur. She herself has experienced a lot of anxiety and depression, which is what led her to discovering the hemp-infused coffee. And her journey is just fascinating. I love entrepreneurs. I love me a good biz witch, and she is definitely that. So I'll let her tell you about that in her own words. Therefore, without any further ado, I now present to you, Whitney Eckes. Hi, Whitney. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I have some very important business I have to get out of the way first thing, and that is, do you own a 1965 Ford Mustang Fastback? <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> what a dream. I went down the weirdest internet rabbit hole, and I got there in a very roundabout weird way, but I was like, is this her car? Is this the inside of her car? So I'm Googling your name and Mustang, and there was definite screaming involved. Is that your main yeah. ride? It's not my main car. I actually come from 
a very long line of car enthusiasts and builders. And so my dad actually built that 65 for me as a deal to get me through college. He basically told me that if I finish college and I get my degree, that he would buy me whatever car I wanted, whatever car. And I had a heart for old muscle cars. I actually grew up drag racing. And (laughs) so I wanted my dream car was a cherry red 65 fastback. I'm in love. I'm in, I mean, I, you, I love these cars and this is how I bond with men, rock and roll and muscle cars. It's very rare that I meet a woman that loves them too. So I had to acknowledge that. So badass. Oh, thank you so much. I, yeah, we, I love all the cars and all the things and yeah, it's just, it's, it's so funny. Cause it just, it seems like such a normal thing and it's been in my family and all of our family. We actually, my dad and my great grandfather started a family business. That's like 77 years old, I think now. And, oh um, Lord. it's all in the automotive industry. So we've been, been around for some time. <laughs> wow. So you are a third generation entrepreneur. Uh, actually I'm the fourth great grand somebody, grandpa, dad, you. Yep. Yep. Great grandfather, grandpa, and then dad. And then me. What did your great grandfather do? So my great grandfather guy really just opened up a small part shop and then passed it down to my grandfather. And then my grandfather passed, I think he had one or two of these stores Um, And then he passed it down to my dad and my dad took and expanded it out to 16 different locations. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And in some some of my internet sleuthing, I got the impression that you were raised by your dad. Is that true? Yeah. Um, I was raised mainly by my dad and he just kind of did the whole single parent thing and really raised me up to be who I am today. And I have a, we have a really strong relationship. That is so cool. I asked because I'm wondering about you as someone who accomplished so much early in life. And I definitely want you to tell everyone about that, but I'm thinking, where does this ambition come from? And I'm wondering if you relate that at all to being raised by a single dad, because a lot of women are hesitant to pursue entrepreneurship or really go full out with the Mm -hmm. marketing and all of that because of the messaging we get growing up. And I'm wondering if you got any kind of different perspective from that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting. My dad had always really raised me to how do I say this? Like politely, <laughs> like I don't, really didn't. Don't be I, polite. We don't want polite here, <laughs> I really didn't know that women had like glass ceilings until I got out into the workforce. Like I really didn't know that gender roles played any sort of position in the world. Like just to be completely honest, like my dad had really raised me to be someone that stood in my power and stood in my confidence and kind of took the world by the balls. Like he, it wasn't really until I was in a position of being a woman in the workplace that I realized, oh shit, like this doesn't work the exact same way. And I don't really have as much power as I'm kind of assuming here. So that for me was not only eye-opening, but something I'm really appreciative from my dad is that he really did raise me to not just be like a woman. He wrote, he raised me as like a 
as a person and he wanted me to be a good person and to be a good business person. I really admire him for that because I think that's where a lot of my ambition and confidence and comes from. And it's actually really funny because I was sitting down with a client and they've been with me for some time and I absolutely adore them. And we have a really good relationship and it was really funny. I had just been talking with them about next steps and kind of what we're doing. And the owner looks at me and he goes, you know, he goes, it's, it's so funny. Like how, like how much confidence you have in business for being, you know, like a woman and being young. And he's like, you talk to me, like, as if like my lawyer would talk to me, he's like, you talk to me as if, you know, like a doctor would talk to me. And quite honestly, like I have to attribute that back to my dad because my dad was just so encouraging of me to go out there and chase my dreams and really try to instill like this, like fearlessness inside of me. The reason why I started so young was because I had this mentality and was almost like very naive to the world around me (laughs) of how, how social norms really work. And I just kind of fucking went for it. Yeah. So, yeah. You know what I love about that too? I guess this is purely anecdotal based on one person, but to me, it speaks to the fact that the way women approach business is nurture, not nature. Meaning it's yeah. in our it's in our nature to be ambitious and bold and confident, maybe even a little outrageous. But we are yeah. con- we are conditioned like that. Maybe nurture is a deceptive word in this context, but the way we are raised and the society with which we find ourselves in are largely what dictates the stereotypes around what it means to be a badass blonde woman driving a vintage Mustang and <laughs> ruling a school. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have to agree. I, you know, in some sort of that context too, I had really strong female role models in my life. The, I guess women, almost all of them are entrepreneurs or had been entrepreneurs at one point in their lives. And my two grandmas, they're still alive to this day and I'm so grateful for them, but they just have this, such a strong sense of self and confidence in who they are and what they do. And that really also was instilled in me too. There was just, there was these really strong women in my life. And again, like I was kind of raised, you know, maybe I was a little sheltered. Maybe I was a little cultured into like, you know, the way that my family had raised me, but yeah, it was, it was really shocking that, you know, especially going into like my first like real corporate job, how much being a woman in my gender, like kind of affected me. And I guess too, it was kind of like shell shock for me Yeah, where I was kind of like this workhorse of this, of being an employee, but I wasn't really like heard or I wasn't really like acknowledged. And I don't know if that was necessarily my, my role or necessarily because I was a woman, but I also do remember just some of the conversations I would have with the other men in the office that made me kind of almost realized my gender in a really weird way. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's super interesting. And before we get too far into this, we should say, what do you mean your clients? Your client of what? Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know we're kind of just diving right in. It's my fault. It's my, I'm very, <laughs> very hyped up to talk about, get super 
And we haven't even mentioned that yet, but I had to talk about the Mustang and then your dad and here we are. I love it. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I'll just introduce myself. My name is Whitney Eckes. I am a serial entrepreneur. I have a creative marketing agency that I've had for it's actually, she turns five next month, um, but I've had her for the last five years. I started it when I was 22. And more recently, I just launched my second business. It's our first product-based business, but it is an instant wellness beverage company called Get Super. And we offer hemp-infused instant coffee. Hemp coffee, people. <laughs> We're going to talk, we're going to talk about this. I am so damn excited. So when you say client, you're talking about your agency. I'm talking about my agency. Yeah. I mean, seriously, Whitney, 22 years old. Ah, I know it's, it's, you know, it doesn't feel like that weird until like you say it (laughs) (laughs) or until people like reflect it back to me. But I guess Yeah. I mean, I was very, very young, very naive, really kind of flying by the seat of my pants for sure. I love it. It has, are you familiar with tarot? It has like the fool journey that feel like the fool just naively going forth because why not, you know, and maybe you learn what, what the why not is as you go along. But I think if you're so full of conviction and confidence you find your, a way around. So maybe it's not in a corporate setting. Maybe it's being an entrepreneur. Yeah. I mean, I think I had to be that young and that naive to do what I did for sure. I don't think that there was anything that could have set me up for the experience and kind of like second guessing that comes with like really launching your own business or having your own business. And I think it's taught me so much to go from that age and just go into full throttle and hundred percent in and building it as I go. But I'm also so grateful for it because had I not done it the way I did, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have launched the second company. I wouldn't have built such this, you know, an incredible team and just this really strong presence of our agency. And so I'm really grateful for the way it worked out, but yeah, man, it was, um, everyone's like, so like, how did you do it? Like who was like mentoring you? And I was like, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't know anything. (laughs) I was just doing it to make money. And like, I thought it would be badass to have an agency one day. And, you know, I had never even worked in an agency. I had worked alongside of different agencies for my corporate job, but I, um, I wanted everything just to be different and to be my way. And that's exactly the way it turned out. Yeah. I mean, you talk about a team, so you're a leader or you've had to learn to be a leader, but also I think starting Ekis Marketing at 22 years old, that's a leadership position. That's say, give me your money and I will show you the way, you know, <laughs> and I, will make, I will make it profitable for you as well. That's, that's confident. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Did you have relationships before you did that? Or did you just start it cold? I was working in hospitality and I was working with like the Hiltons and the Marriott's of the world for their restaurants, for bars, for a bunch of different things, kind of all over the nation. And I decided to go out on my own. And when I decided to go out on my own, I actually basically had a couple of these hospitality clients want to want me to stay on board. And the hospitality group itself, actually, they were the ones that were like, you know, we, we want you to carry on with these. I think it was like the original, like five clients. 
And I was like, yeah, sure. So it kind of was like started out honestly more like freelance and the name Ecos Marketing wasn't necessarily like this name that I had created for the agency. It was the easiest way for me to invoice my hours out. So they knew where they were coming from. Yeah. And the name just kind of stuck. And then those first two years were really much more just like kind of freelancing, kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. I had like hired like an assistant kind of, and I was really just kind of, again, flying by the seat of my pants, like figuring out, you know, what services I wanted to offer. And at the time it was mainly just social media and our social media management. And then really in our third year, I was like, I want to go agency. I want to, I want to really produce a business here and build a team and, you know, bring on my dream clients and clients that I would love to work with. And so we started building and we started doing really great. And then, I mean, from that point, we haven't really turned back. I see like in the copy on your website, the word elevate happens frequently. So I'm wondering (laughs) how can social media and digital marketing elevate a brand and why elevate? You're talking about bringing it to the next level, making it look more polished. Like what specifically do you mean by that? So I guess when I envision elevate, I really mean bringing like the best parts of your brand or your service or your product to light. And a lot of that has to go into the brand's lifeblood. And there's no better way to showcase a brand's true vision or their true purpose behind what they're doing than social media. Social media is not only storytelling, but it's this daily conversation that you get to have and get to show up for in front of your, you know, consumers or your audience or your loyal customers. And that was something that I started realizing was that social media is not only, especially back then I was, you know, again, I was like telling like Hilton and Marriott, they should be on Instagram. And they were like, (laughs) you're freaking crazy. Like, no, like, we're not going to put a, you know, giant corporation on a social media channel. But immediately I started noticing like, this is the best way to show up for, you know, your ideal audience every single day in a new way. It could be humorous. It could be funny. It could be extremely vulnerable and transparent. And even as business owners, like we can even take advantage of that and show up for our audience in a whole new light and start putting ourselves in front of our companies. And that was what we really figured out was our secret sauce was by doing things differently, by helping brands get in front of their ideal consumers and by truly elevating their, their voice and their mission and their true purpose behind whatever they're doing in a whole new way that really resonated with the social media feed and what people were sharing. So that's kind of the purpose behind the word elevate and kind of what we do. And even now, you know, we constantly, constantly challenge ourselves and our clients and our account coordinators to think outside of the box and to find new trends, create new trends, work to really do things that are so different because social media is also always changing and always evolving. And so that's something that we really wanted to lean into is we didn't want this one size fits all strategy. We really wanted to work directly with the brands to find different ways for them to show up and show up in their best light. Because it changes so quickly and dramatically, sometimes like on a dime, 
have you noticed core values that transcend platform? They just are true of every platform and every change. Um, yeah, I mean, quite honestly, I feel like in social media, I mean, (laughs) it's like the two-part answer. Number one, social media is designed for you to share, right? So the energy in which you're sharing really matters, right? And a lot of people say, just be authentic, just be authentic, just be yourself, just show your true self, just share everything. And there's a sense of that that's true. And there's also another sense where it's like, really leaning into what you are sharing and what's the purpose behind it. I think, you know, this is something kind of what we tell our clients is like, you know, before you used to have 30 seconds for someone to determine whether or not they're going to follow you or they're going to invest in following you. Now I feel like that's even down to like seven to 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And there's something to be said about that value that you're offering. And I would have to say that across all platforms, That's one of the things that you really want to lean into. You want to lean into why people are showing up and why they're going to stay and then why they're going to come back tomorrow. And if you can lean into that with your own audience and even, you know, this goes for personal brands too. This goes into, you know, why you're sharing what you're sharing on your podcast or on your feed every day, whether it's your personal passion or it's, you know, you're wanting to help people or you're wanting to be a business coach. If you lean into those three things of why people are investing in you and why they're coming back, you're going to be able to basically disperse that across all social media platforms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like mission driven, even just, even just a social media post. Totally. Can it, I'm wondering, this really interests me. Yeah. I often work with new entrepreneurs and they Well, first, they're just afraid to market themselves, but also there is the perception that it's cheesy or sleazy. And I'm wondering, can't it be an art like in and of itself? Do you perceive it that way? Social media? Marketing specifically. But yeah, using social media, I would say is probably what most people think of these days when they think of marketing. I feel like we go up against so many marketing agencies that just take brands and people for rides. And it breaks my heart and it's awful that anyone even has these bad experiences. And then it also sets this like stigma of like marketing yourself is like you said, it's kind of cheesy. It's kind of hard. It's like, you know, you don't want to be the car salesman. That's just always on your feet trying to sell, 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 sell. Right. Um, I would say that yes, marketing can definitely be an art. In fact, we've seen marketing become an art time over time again, I would say that there's a very unique way to be able to feel confident in how you're marketing yourself and also a way that doesn't feel cheesy to you or to your following. And again, social media really leans into that, right? Like me and you can share a story about something that we learned in our childhood and bring that back to, you know, a selling point for why we want them to show up again tomorrow mm-hmm. or, you know, how we can help them, how we can sell a service or X, Y, and Z. So I think there's a lot of different approaches. And I also do think that, yeah, it is, it is totally an art. It's just the way in which you really present it. You just said the word story earlier. You said storytelling. I think that's the art maybe. It's, maybe it's different for every brand, but the art of storytelling and refining that story and 
possibly using stories from your own life that are aligned with your mission. It seems very personal. Is there a way to not make it personal, to have that distance between yourself and a brand? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you definitely can. Are you saying for like the ones that maybe don't want to come out in front of their business? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there's, you know, they're shy, shy people. And also yeah. I think, I feel like there's this idea maybe of imposter syndrome when you put out a really slick polished image and it looks like you, it dresses like you, but it's like a much fancier airbrushed version of you. And then it doesn't quite match the person you see looking back at you in the mirror. I feel like there are a lot of potential threatening scenarios around being a personal brand. And I'm wondering, do you have any ideas about separating yourself or protecting yourself from that? Or do you just have to kind of lean into it or go do something else? I mean, I think it's ultimately up to you, right? Like it's up to you if you want to lean into it, if you want to step out in front of your business or, you know, that's just not your vibe and you want to stay behind it. There's plenty of entrepreneurs that have done both, right? Number one, I would say if we're hitting imposter syndrome, that's definitely something that we should be walking through and be exploring further because usually if there's, you know, like a reason why an entrepreneur doesn't want to step out in front of their brand, it's one of those two things, right? It's either, well, I just don't feel the confidence yet, or it feels, you know, like icky to me or, you know, something of, of that nature. Now, if it's like, a brand that's like, Hey, like we, you know, really don't care to put the founder out in front of it. It's just not part of our mission or it doesn't align well. Then I would say, yeah, you can absolutely remain separated. But the thing that you also always have to remember is that brands have these personalities and intrinsically they're sourced from their founders. They're sourced from the people that are working on the brands. Now, as human beings, we're attracted to that. We're attracted to that humanity inside of it. So, you know, we've seen, for example, like the generations before us, right? They grew up with these big corporations, the Procter's and Gambles. I always reference like the Tides or the Coca-Colas, the Pepsis, like all these things. And they, these brands were so entrusted by everyone. And they were so entrusted because they were so big that back then these generations really didn't feel like they could ever falter. They could ever do anything wrong. And we're seeing this crazy shift right now, especially in CPG to us really falling in love with these smaller brands, these mom and pops, these, you know, just newly launched startups. And the reason why is because we have now learned that they're approachable. These smaller brands are approachable. They have a real entrepreneur behind them. They have someone that really, truly cares about the mission, about the vision, about the lifeblood of that company. Yeah. And if you're going to market your product and you want to stand behind it, just know that intrinsically, like you are going to affect the way this company's brand or personality is no matter how hard you try. And that's ultimately what's going to outside of the value and the mission and things like that. That's, that's also what's going to attract your consumer base to you and to your product is that feeling is that human nature is that brand voice and personality that you're portraying across social. Yeah. And you're that person for get super now. Yes, (laughs) I am. (laughs) You know, one of my all-time favorite marketing journeys as a consumer was with a company called Four Sigmatic. 
And they they established what mushroom coffee is. They were the first ones. I was so loyal to them for years and would post about Mm -hmm. them. I have since, this is maybe heretical, but switched to Sun Alchemy Cognitive Coffee with MCT oil and lion's mane and reishi and chaga. But it all started with Four Sigmatic. And what they did, they educated people. So their website was all about mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms. And it was such an exciting, fun education process that you were like, take my money. This is amazing, (laughs) you know, and the products match the promise. I think that's really important to say too. And so I've been a devotee mushroom coffee drinker for years. Nothing has piqued my interest at all until one day I came across something called hemp coffee. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh no, what is happening? What is happening? So can we talk about hemp coffee? Yeah, absolutely. So Get Super is, it's a broad spectrum hemp water soluble powder that is infused into instant coffee. And there's a couple other CBD coffees out there, but one of the things that we really wanted to lean into was the fact that we want to really separate ourselves as an instant wellness beverage company. There's a lot of CBD companies out there. There's a lot of people that are in the cannabis space and cannabis has helped my own journey through mental health and through my wellness, but There are also a lot of other things that we could be doing to help people show up and feel better throughout their day. And that was one of the things with Get Super that I saw so much potential in was taking a stick pack of instant coffee infused with hemp CBD to really launching these different products and different variations that are going to help people with their, you know, just help them within their daily routine, whether that's finding the energy, whether that's helping them with anxiety or, you know, sleep. So that was something that we had saw and that we are really looking to establish ourselves in is just really helping everyone show up and feel super throughout their day. We have two products right now. We have our signature instant coffee. And then we have our hemp infused instant coffee and the hemp infused instant coffee, I think is absolutely phenomenal. And like I said, it really helped my journey and it's been, it's been awesome. We just launched in October of 2021. So we're still new to the game, but we've been having a lot of fun. So coffee was CBD. Correct. Can you explain why that was enticing to you? The CBD what I gather the CBD offset the negative effects of the caffeine. Sure. So it doesn't completely offset. And obviously we cannot make any guarantee claims, but from what my experience with the coffee is, and from what our consumers say is that essentially the CBD really helps the caffeine triggers. So for example, when I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression, one of the things that instantly I had to start observing was my caffeine intake. It would send me into panic attacks. I'd get the jitters. I'd get the shakes. I'd get my heart racing and the CBD from what my own experience has shown me is that it's really helped me to basically lessen those side effects. And it's given me an opportunity to be able to not have to give up my coffee every morning. Yeah. So it really helps in that sense where it 
again, just helps you with your, any sort of, you know, caffeine intake and things like that. And again, every consumer is different. Like we've had consumers say that, you know, it's helped their, like one had chronic pain and chronic inflammation in their gut. We've had a lot of consumers say that it actually helps with PMS and it helps pain relief. We've had consumers say that, you know, they enjoy drinking get super at two or three in the afternoon because they can sleep at night and it's not keeping them up all night. It's not giving them this insane caffeine high and insane caffeine crash. Do you know if the coffee and the CBD are creating kind of a third experience? So like caffeine, you know, we know what that does. CBD, I think most of us know what that does. Do they interact chemically some way or are you just getting the benefits of the two in one product? So it's actually really interesting that you say that. I mean, we have a couple different theories and we've been honestly testing a lot of it. There's nothing I can say scientifically right now that I can make any strong claim on, but from what we've seen is that a lot of our consumers feel like they still, they basically feel a calm, focused energy. They feel alert without feeling, you know, hyped up or like you just drank an energy drink or you like you had too many cups of coffee, Yeah. but they feel very, you know, they still feel alert. They still feel like they can focus. They don't feel that kind of lethargic kind of sleepy euphoria, you know, that sometimes you may feel if you have, you know, CBD. So those are the two feelings and benefits that we've heard from our consumers. Nice. Yeah. I was really curious about that because nothing is worse than that wired, but tired feeling when you've had too much coffee and you're like rotted on the inside. Sure. Somehow you're like energized, but too much, but also some part of you deep down inside is thoroughly exhausted, but all you can think to do is drink more coffee. That was definitely... (laughs) me in my my 20s I definitely went that you know like one pot of coffee turns into a pot and a half turns into coffee all day exactly yeah no I mean we love it I drink it every single day I mean all of our consumers I feel like we're definitely the product where you try it once and you'll be hooked for life it's also great to travel with you can bring it on a plane because we're TSA approved but it's it's you know it's definitely something where We're here to make your life a little bit more super. I even love the packaging because it, to me, this feels like wellness now. I am Mm -hmm. hippy dippy in many, many ways, but I love that it looks like something high end that you might just get at a natural, like a whole foods type of place or Erewhon. And it's like the hippies have gone mainstream. I've developed an interest in something that, is so exciting to me. And I think people are going to be talking more about this in the future. And that is the entourage effect, mm-hmm. which is, which is partly why I asked about the coffee CBD, like what is the chemical thing that happens when these things marry? Does it contribute to the entourage effect? This is one of the things that we wanted to really lean into, especially with get super is that it's nothing crazy. You know, you're not taking these insane amounts of CBD, you know, it's 20 milligrams per packet. And one of the things that we really wanted to capitalize on was that you're able to have your caffeine and drink it too, without feeling the side effects that some people feel when they, when they're unable to drink caffeine. 
originally when we, when we were reformulating everything, we did end up adding a little bit more coffee to each of our stick packs because of the flavoring. And that was one of the things that was really important to me was that, you know, I'm not this instant coffee snob. I'm really, you know, I love my good coffee. I love just the flavoring. And so I was actually really nervous to launch Get Super because instant coffee has such a bad rap. So when we were taste testing, we actually had it all taste tested and we added a little bit more coffee, not only because of the flavoring and the way it tastes, but also too, we really wanted, we wanted you to get these notes of the hemp inside of the coffee without it being too earthy and without it tasting too much like CBD. So you really get this nice balance of like this really robust kind of blend with this earthiness that comes from the hemp and part of it. Yeah. I love learning about all of this stuff. I'm a bit of a wellness geek, but what really interested me in the entourage effect was terpenes because that's a bridge that a lot of people can cross. People who are hesitant about CBD, terpenes are found in all plants, but especially in cannabis because it's what gives it its scent. And I know a lot of people listening right now are into essential oils. So CBD, the entourage effect is all these different cannabinoids and terpenes, they work together So I just thought it was cool that you were adding coffee to that. It makes so much sense. Well, thank you. We, I mean, we definitely love it. Do you have like a brand strategy in place? Are you, are you your own agency? Yes, we are. So that was really the, the reason why we were able to even launch Get Super in the first place was the fact that we could really test, drink our own Kool-Aid and test ourselves in really, you know, making this a case study for what we could, what we could do. When I brought this to my team, they were super excited. And one of the things that I really pushed and encouraged them to do was to honestly, to just go crazy and to not have to follow really any sort of strict guideline, except making this brand something that they were incredibly proud of. And with that, I think we saw a lot of success and we saw a lot of just having fun. And that was really too the whole lifeblood of this brand was doing things that were not only out of the box, but things that just felt fun. We take to social media and we do all these crazy caricatures with our boxes and we do these amazing and fun videos of kind of us like talking about which recipes we like or why we like it super or how does it taste. And so that was something that, again, like we were talking about, like the lifeblood of a brand, I really wanted get super to not only be, you know, a standalone product, but I wanted it to feel different. I wanted it to feel like, you know, when people were showing up to our website or to our social media, that they were excited because they knew they could expect something fun and they could expect something new or different. And so really that's been our marketing strategy is, you know, first and foremost, we want to help people feel good and to feel better. And then second, we really want to have fun and we want to make this something that is just enjoyable for not only you know, our consumers, but also for the people that work inside the brand. Speaking of fun, was it fun for you to kind of get to unleash your marketing (laughs) expertise on a consumer product or was it just a whole new territory? Did it 
why did you do that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, get super has been such an incredible experience in a way where it was really was lighter to me than the agency ever was. And when I say that the agency has been since day one, such a building process. And really for me, it has taken a lot out of me to build and to grow and get super. There was really no expectation for it, except for the fact that, you know, I had incorporated it into my daily routine because of my diagnosis. And it was something that I truly felt passionate about and something that I really wanted to have fun with. And so the whole experience from learning everything, you know, and I'm still learning about, you know, everything that goes into our products and I'm still, you know, bettering myself with surrounding, you know, the brand with experts and analysts and testers and formulators and all these different things. But the whole experience has been so beautiful because it's, just been a lot of fun. And I've honestly really enjoyed it. And I enjoy everything that we do with it. And it opens us up to so many different opportunities to expand and do different things and learn more about, you know, the cannabis industry or the coffee industry or things like that. Honestly, like I, I did it on a whim, but I'm so grateful that we stuck with it and we did it. So when you say diagnoses, you were diagnosed with anxiety. Is that right? In 2020. And you started this, you, you bought this company in 2020. Is that what happened? Yes. I was diagnosed with severe anxiety disorder and depression and I acquired get super from the original owner in 2020. Wow. From then we rebranded, reformulated, and then relaunched in October of 2021. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just 2020 is historically significant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting that you would be diagnosed with an anxiety and depression disorder, and then you would reach for this CBD infused coffee and then end up owning that company. It all really feels right. When I think about what 2020 was, I'm sure it was hard for you, but I think that's really emblematic of how I think a lot of us felt about 2020. And We've sure learned a lot about ourselves, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was probably not the smartest thing to do after receiving that kind of diagnosis, but <laughs> I, uh, it kind of just seemed, it did seem right. It kind of fell into my lap the way that it did. And I remember talking to one of my very, one of my best friends who as actually, you know, just a great source of knowledge in the CBG industry and telling her, I just bought a, you know, a product-based company. And she was like, I think you can do it. She's like, but I think you're in over your head. She's like, but I think you can do it. And that has kind of honestly been, you know, again, like my story as an entrepreneur. And I believe that that's a lot of our stories as entrepreneurs. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we're in over our head. There's a lot of learning. There's a lot of evolving and growing and that's okay. Mm. It's totally okay. Because ultimately, if you don't pull the trigger, you don't move forward. How are you ever going to grow? How are you ever going to get where you want to be? You know, and I'm always the first one to say like, you know, don't do things when you're ready, but do them when it feels right. And that was just my story, <laughs> me doing it when it felt right. 
Yeah. And there's the brand story right there. Yeah. Based on true <laughs> facts. I often say that having your own business is like an accelerated spiritual practice. Like you're going to go oh, through all the things people are going to show you your shadow back at you so hard. <laughs> you're oh, going to bump up against your own limitations. Like yeah. where, where you procrastinate, what you hide from. It's really deep. I think it's, I mean, I'm a serial entrepreneur myself, not all at the same time. I should ask you about that because you were saying something somewhere about owning multiple businesses at once mm -hmm. to diversify equity. I'm more like a serial monogamist with my business. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe can we take that leap? You're talking about owning yeah. multiple, which you do, you own multiple businesses in your mid 20s. Let us everyone remember this. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I do believe in really hyper-focusing and doing one thing right at a time. And I don't want that to be a misconception because I think that sometimes if you have your hands in too many pots, nothing's ever going to receive your full presence or your full attention. However, I think that there is something to be said about diversifying yourself and really finding yourself in these different opportunities or these different positions to help you grow. So there are about three other companies that I'm currently invested in. One of them, I'm an owner. The other two, I have percentages of equity. So those times in my life, basically what I have done is I've chosen to give up portions of my life in terms of receiving and diversifying myself. So that's something that I've always kind of looked at as an entrepreneur that I think that we can really tap into and find new opportunities in, whether you're consulting or you're coaching or you're offering sweat equity or you're offering a capital investment, whatever it is, I think there's so many ways for us to continue to grow and expand. Now, my bread and butter is Eka's Marketing and Get Super. Those two will always be my bread and butter. But am I able to allocate time or a certain amount of hours or a certain position to expand myself further and build, you know, this, this dream lifestyle that I want to be living or to be able to further my success or learn more. Absolutely. And so that's one of the things that I really wanted to actually, it's kind of become this new practice of mine. And I feel like I feel like I haven't quite perfected it yet, <laughs> but I do feel like it's something that I truly believe in is diversifying yourself for things that make the most sense and things that are going to bring you further opportunity. And if you can do them in a way where you're not sacrificing yourself or you're not walking through burnout or which I think that everyone eventually goes through some form of burnout, but if you're not, if you're not putting yourself in this in too uncomfortable of a position, but you're able to still honor these new opportunities in a way that makes sense for you and for your schedule and for your life, why not do them? Mm. The language is interesting to me. You're saying diversify yourself. Are you talking about your energy, your time, your money? Yes. All of the above. Yeah. All the above. Your I mean, creativity. I think, yeah. I mean, I think that you can, you know, it's just the same way you invest, right? Like you can take, you know, some of your savings and put it here. You can be an advisor on a board and give up a certain amount of hours of your time per year. I think that we already diversify ourselves in so many 
so many other ways that why, why not take a little bit deeper of a look and do it in other directions. And I think too, as entrepreneurs, like we're told to like put our blinders on and hyper focus in on our business and grow it and grow it until you can sell it or grow it until you make, you know, I don't know, 14 figures or whatever. It's like, (laughs) it's like, I, I totally believe in that to, to an aspect, but I also believe in the fact of, you know, what do you truly want in this world? And for me, the two things that I really wanted to do, especially growing up is I had this vision of success. I had this vision of being financially free, of being able to create my own schedule, of being able to not really ever have to walk through some financial burdens that I saw other family members walk through. And that was also something where I started realizing, you know, if I want this certain lifestyle, what I'm doing right here and right now is amazing and it's building, but it may take years and it may take, you know, a lifetime to continue to grow and build into success. What I can also be doing is I can also be essentially multiplying what I'm doing in ways that benefit me and benefit my time. And I really kind of wanted to just hack into my time management and ultimately my own expertise of what I know best and be able to help other brands and other businesses grow. Yeah. You said something about your business meant to serve you and somehow facilitate your purpose. And it sounds like that's what you're talking about right now. Yeah. And I, I think it's really interesting that you brought up kind of the shadow of ourselves that comes out in business Mm -hmm. and how we're, it really brings forth a lot about who we are and maybe the things that we don't necessarily love about ourselves or the things that scare us most. Yeah. And I truly believe in that. And, you know, for a really long time, I, I mean, I'm not really a long time. I still do it. I'm, I'm a people pleaser. Yeah. And I would have to say that one of the things that I realized I was doing is that I was over serving all my companies instead of really positioning my companies in a way to work for me. I feel like I see this a lot in women entrepreneurs is that we give so naturally and we nurture so naturally that it becomes a second nature to give and to nurture into our businesses. And sometimes we lose sight of what these businesses are purposed for. And that was, again, a testimony of my own experience, especially in the agency was me giving and giving and giving and giving so much to the point where I was basically like, why am I still doing this? Like, what is this company even serving for me? And it took me stopping and restructuring the entire company and agency in order for me to be like, okay, you know what? Now we serve each other. You Mm -hmm. serve me and my life and I serve you. And that exchange of that energy Instead of me just living in this scarcity mindset of how much more do I have to continue to give to this business until it works the way I want it to made all the difference. Yeah. And to me, it's not necessarily transactional, like X, Y, Z for X, Y, Z. It's about being in relationship Yeah, and and having a mutual benefit, which you want to have in any relationship. Yeah. There can't be one person doing all the heavy lifting and the other person's like throwing a few bucks at you and- you're taking it so personally <laughs> and yeah. not thinking about you at all. Yeah, exactly. That's also too. It's kind of like when you, when you, <laughs> it's like, there's like four conversations happening at once. Right. Mm-hmm. 
It's like the one that's actually happening, the one that you think is happening, the one that, you know, they think is happening. It's yeah. It sounds like maybe the pandemic had you questioning a lot of things and now you're on the other side of it with more clarity. Yeah, I would say the pandemic definitely rocked me. I mean, I I feel like I lost, I had lost so much in 2020, but I had also learned more than I've ever learned at any other period of my life. I feel like I really rediscovered who I was. I feel like I really came to terms of how I wanted to live my life and what I wanted to call in for myself or just my own internal happiness, what I wanted that to reflect and look like from there. I mean, I, I really did have a kind of a big life shift and really change pretty much everything that I was doing. Mm. Well, I'm excited about it all. What, what, <laughs> I'm going to link to all the things, but can you give us a couple of URLs for people who are listening on the go? So they can, they can keep track with your journey or if like me, they're very excited about the coffee. Can you direct them there? Yeah, of course. So you guys can follow Get Super at just G-E-T-S-U-P-R dot com. No E. No E, just super. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. <laughs> you guys can follow the agency at Ekis Marketing. My last name is spelled E-C-K-I-S, ekismarketing.com. And then you guys can follow my personal journey just at Winnie Ekis on Instagram. Nice. I will link to all those things as well. I have one question that I love to end these with, and you can answer it any way you like. Whatever comes first to mind is fine. It doesn't have to be the end-all be-all, but what is one tip you have for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? Mm, Such a good question. I would say that to feel the fear, because there's always an element of fear in doing what you really desire and do it anyway. Mm. This is a motto of mine. I don't, I'm sure you don't know that, but I'm constantly saying, feel the fear and do it anyway. And if you, yes. if you haven't read that book, you definitely should. It's small, but it's an ass kicker and I love it. Heck yeah. Well, thank you so much, Joanna, for having me on. This is, this was awesome. That's it for today, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this interview and that you're running over to check out Get Super's hemp-infused coffee. If you do, let me know. I'm very curious to know how how it feels. How do you feel? How do you feel when you drink hemp-infused coffee? I'm about to find out for myself. I hope that you're enjoying the Joe DeVoe show so far. All the old episodes of Hippie Witch are still there for you to listen to and catch up on. And I'm going to leave that up. And if you're having fun here and you want to support the show, you can do that over on Patreon. I am Joanna DeVoe, patreon.com slash Joanna DeVoe. Very easy to find over there. And of course, I will link to that and all things Whitney Eckes in the show notes. I'll be back here next Monday at noon with a new interview for you. And until we meet again, always remember, life is change, change is magic, magic is life, and the journey is the creation. Much love to you. Peace.